Welcome to this Peer Voice activity. To access the entire activity, including downloadable slides and transcript, go to www.peervoice.com forward slash yus. This activity is supported by an educational grant from Daiichi Sankyo. Welcome to this Peer Voice activity on non small cell lung cancer. This activity comprises two presentations featuring a panel of international experts. At any time during this presentation, you may download supporting materials and share this activity with colleagues. Hello, I'm Edward Guerin from the David Geffen School of Medicine at the University of California, Los Angeles, and I'm welcoming you to this activity about expert guidance for improving outcomes in advanced non small cell lung cancer utilizing antibody drug conjugates or ADCs in practice. Um, I'm pleased to be joined uh, by two esteemed colleagues, uh, Dr. Solange Peters from the University Hospital in Lausanne, Switzerland, and Rebecca Heist from the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts uh, in the United States. Uh, thank you both very much for joining. Um, this will be a two-part series, and first we will be addressing part one, which is evaluating the potential of trope 2 targeted ADCs in the management of advanced non-small cell lung cancer. Um, in this activity, we'll discuss the current uh, clinical evidence for trope 2 antibody drug conjugates in advanced stage non-small cell lung cancer that has progressed on current standard of care and the potential for these agents to um, improve on outcomes. So first, um, obviously, before addressing sort of potential improvements on uh, sort of uh, treatment of previously treated non-small cell lung cancer patients, we sort of need to know uh, what the current landscape is. So, so Dr. Heist, uh, maybe if you can walk us through the current landscape for uh, advanced non-small cell lung cancer management in patients without uh, driver mutations. Sure. So in the current standard of care for patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer who don't have an actionable mutation, we really think about the standard first-line therapy being immunotherapy or immunotherapy with chemotherapy. And a lot of this we think about in terms of pdl one status and how we choose immunotherapy alone or chemo with immunotherapy really depends on that. Of course, after first-line therapy, people do progress and we do need to move on to second line options and we have a variety of single agent chemotherapies that we use in this setting. Uh, and also we know from the Revell study that docetaxel with ramucirumab is a good combination to use in the second line setting as well. But unfortunately for people who, whose cancer progresses on these treatments, we do need um, more treatment options and the options in that setting are quite limited. You know, unfortunately, a significant proportion of patients with lung cancer don't receive second-line therapy. It can be up to 50%. Um, and there are a lot of reasons for this. Um, some people have a high tumor burden. Uh, performance status can be low. Um, and all of that contributes to reduced tolerability in the second-line setting, um, as well as low response rates. And, and obviously, we've been focusing here on patients without actionable driver mutations. But of course, there is a subset of patients who do have these mutations. Um, you know, that in some ways is a good group, but, but, but are there needs there as well? Of course. You know, we're, um, we're very um, enthusiastic about the targeted therapies among patients who do have an actionable target. But of course, uh, patients can progress on those or a series of those as well. And there's a need for um, these patients as well to have more treatment options for after they have kind of run through their targeted therapy options. So, of course, in lung cancer, we become familiar with multiple different targets. 
but trope two really hasn't been won. Professor Peters, uh, maybe if you could walk us through what an antibody drug conjugate is. Yeah, thanks a lot. So basically, the structure of an antibody drug conjugate relies on a specific monoclonal antibody that will target an antigen or a receptor on a cell, which uh, ideally is very specific, of course, of a cancer cell. On this antibody, this antibody carries what we call a play payload, which is a, a molecule or even better, several molecules of uh, chemotherapy, a potent cytotoxic agent. Uh, very often in the new generation of uh, antibody drug conjugate is topoisomerase 1 inhibitors. And the two, the, the link is made by a linker between the antibody and the cytotoxic payload, which can be cleavable, meaning that there is a way of these molecules of chemotherapy to be released in the microenvironment in order to, I would say, improve their toxic effect. There were several generations of antibody drug conjugates so from breast cancers that we knew a lot to today. Uh, it's quite new, a new opportunity, a new class of drug also in lung cancer. These several generations have really changed a bit the components. Of course, uh, antibodies were more specific, are more specific today to cancer targets. But more importantly, the potency of the payload, the number of molecules of chemotherapy, and this way of having a kind of a bystander effect thanks to the cleavable linker are all new, I would say, engineerings in order to make antibody drug conjugates more efficacious against cancer. Well, thank you. And of course, um, in lung cancer, non-small cell lung cancer in particular, we have several different targets that we have looked at with tyrosine kinase inhibitors and things like that. But trope two isn't a target that we're, we're used to thinking about. Can you sort of explain to us why that has become a, an attractive uh, target for these antibody drug conjugates? Thanks. So you have understood that the target has to be expressed on the cancer cells and if possible, as much as possible, only on the cancer cell. So TROP2 is a transmembrane glycoprotein, which is basically overexpressed in the majority of epithelial cancer. Think about head and neck, breast, colorectal, pancreatic, but also lung cancer. So it's beyond lung cancer as representing an opportunity. Uh, TROP2, as uh, you can imagine, uh, the mechanism of this binding is, is the target, so the monoclonal antibody will attach to TROP2 on the surface of the cancer cell, and the good news is TROP2 is almost not expressed on normal cells, not creating any toxicity at that level. After binding, it will facilitate endocytosis of the antibody drug conjugate, the whole molecule. On lysosomal degradation, there will be an intracellular release of the cytotoxic payload of the chemotherapy. And after that, this chemotherapy will be released in the environment, leading to what we call the bystander effect, the killing of the neighboring cancer cells, even if they don't express the target. So this allows us, let's us get a chemotherapy drug right where it is supposed to be to kill the cancer cells while it might minimize the systemic exposure and subsequently the toxicity using very potent chemotherapy compounds. Thank you. And, and maybe uh, with a focus on efficacy in this presentation, Dr. Heist, if, if you could talk about the clinical evidence for uh, at least one of the two TROP2 inhibitors that is furthest along in development, uh, sazituzumab govotecan. Sure. So sazituzumab govotecan, as you know, is an antibody drug conjugate that targets TROP2 and is conjugated to the toxic payload SN38. 
uh, and SN38 is the active metabolite of the topoisomerase 1 inhibitor irinotecan. Uh, this drug has been studied in lung cancer uh, in a basket trial of sazituzumab govotecan in patients with advanced non-small lung cancer, non-small cell lung cancer. There were 54 patients enrolled. Um, the majority of these patients had non-squamous histology, but squamous histology was also enrolled. Uh, and importantly, this was a very heavily pretreated population. Um, most of the patients had two or more lines of prior therapy, uh, and almost a third had at least four lines of prior therapy. So this was a very heavily pretreated advanced lung cancer population. And among these patients, there were various dose levels studied, and the overall response rate was about 17% in the um, cohort as a whole, uh, with the median duration of response around six months. Uh, the median overall survival was about seven months, and again, in a very heavily pretreated population, these are quite interesting um, outcomes and a median PFS of over four months. Um, looking at the response evaluable patients only, you can see a waterfall plot where there were responses seen in both squamous and non-squamous patients among patients who had received prior IO or not received prior IO. Uh, and the responses tended to occur relatively early on in the course of treatment, uh, with some of those responses being quite deep uh, and durable. So uh, thank you, and, and Professor Peters, uh, could you discuss the, the clinical evidence that we currently have with uh, datapontamab deruxtecan, of course, another uh, trope 2 antibody drug conjugate for non-small cell lung cancer? Yeah, thanks a lot. Here we are almost in the same setting as the previous data set which was presented, thinking about uh, refractory, relapsed, advanced metastatic non-small cell lung cancer, very importantly for an antibody drug conjugate and a little counterintuitively, it is unselected for the target, so unselected for TROP2 expression. Patients with good performance status were proposed in a dose escalation manner, this datopotamab deruxtecant, datodxd. Uh, uh, to establish the MTD and to be able also to look at safety, tolerability, and early data about efficacy of this uh, data DXD uh, component in these tumors, which are, uh, as we said before, missing very good opportunities. Doing that, uh, three different doses were used, four milligrams per kick, six or eight. Uh, these patients were uh, uh, Asian and uh, Caucasian, as you can see, half-half. The non-squamous was predominant histology, almost 80%. And very importantly, there were massive uh, numbers of previous lines of therapy with more than half of the patient, even 60% of the patient, having received more than more or equal three prior lines of therapy, which really makes this uh, population of patients heavily pretreated. They had received, as you can see, almost all of them platinum based chemo, almost all of them immunotherapy. A third of this patient had a history of brain metastasis and a small number had EGFR mutation. Uh, as you can see here, uh, these patients are really a very specific population representing uh, an unmet need. You can see on the right-hand side uh, the discontinuation, which was mainly for progression and in 10 to 15%, uh, even 25% in the high dose due to adverse events.
the expected, I would say, uh, decision was to understand what was the efficacy versus the toxicity. Here we focus on the efficacy. But as you can see in these very late lines, a promising response rate of 24 to 28% was observed through the various ranges and doses of the compound, uh, with, as you can see, 28% for the sigmig per kg dose, which at the end, uh, and you will understand it when you discuss toxicity, was chosen as being the dose to continue with for this compound. It was representing an efficacy which was, as you can see also, on the spider plot and on the waterfall plot, equivalent to a highest dose of 8 mg per kilogram, kilogram, perfectly equivalent, but as you will discuss and we will discuss later on, uh, lowering the toxicity related to the compound here. Most responses were durable over time, including a median duration of response of 10.5 months in the sick mg per kg cohort. Well, thank you very much. So in summary, despite the advances that we've had in non-small cell lung cancer therapy, most patients still progress after their initial frontline uh, approach. Um, and the activity of our current second-line approaches, uh, such as docetaxel, is suboptimal from the perspective of a risk-benefit profile. New data on the antibody drug conjugates uh, directed against trope 2 suggests the potential that these agents could change the standard of care for patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer, and studies that are designed to test this hypothesis are currently ongoing. Uh, please stay tuned for uh, the next in this two-part series, uh, which is uh, available uh, for you as well. Welcome to the second presentation uh, entitled Optimizing Outcomes Through Individual Care in Advanced Non-Small Cell Lung Cancer. Um, in this section, we'll focus on practical considerations for future management of patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer that has progressed on the current standard of care, um, discussing uh, patient and disease factors that can influence treatment decision-making, um, as well as preventing and managing common and serious adverse events that are associated with uh, trope 2 antibody drug conjugates. So, Professor Peters, uh, perhaps you can walk us through the disease factors that uh, influence treatment decision-making in advanced non-small cell lung cancer that has progressed on current standard of care. Absolutely. The, that's really discussing uh, a non-met need again. It's very difficult to be precision oncology or to use precision oncology when you are in a refractory or relapsed patient. So, of course, we have two big categories here. So, patients with actionable drivers who have progressed in the disease uh, despite the oncogenic pathways have to move to, at some point, uh, to chemotherapy. Remember that for this patient, we try to delay as much as possible the chemotherapy part, the time of chemotherapy, sometimes by trying to do radical treatment would the disease still be oligometastatic. But the first line therapy after TKIs or maybe two lines of TKIs is very often platinum-based chemotherapy. In patients without actionable drivers, and we could briefly discuss it before, we have to go to think about docetaxel, docetaxel plus minus antiogenics, which is, of course, something oncologists don't like to do because it's very toxic and very limited in the efficacy and duration you can expect for such a strategy. So it's quite important to keep in mind that there is an ongoing effort to try to create a second-line strategy in non-oncogenality, non-small cell lung cancer, trying to imagine how we can use, again, immunology immunotherapy after immunotherapy. And we will see probably this year many trials coming combining checkpoints with 
a TKI, very often with a component of antiangiogenesis, um, carboxantinib, lenvatinib, citravatinib, combined with a, with a checkpoint, which will be tested against docetaxel as a second-line strategy. But today, we still have docetaxel. Very important uh, is to say that all of these trials that are trying to compete with docetaxel might always forget about older adults or specific fragile populations who might be unfit for chemotherapy, might need to have refined strategies, or might need to really have the physician paying a lot of attention to all the toxicities. So the so second line setting is at the, at the time being empty about the docetaxel and also very fragile in trying to really find good solution for all our patients. So, uh, Dr. Heiss, maybe you could uh, talk to us about some of the important toxicities that have been seen with uh, cesatuzumab, gomotecan, and uh, datapotumab, deruxtecan, um, with a focus as well on, on how to manage these toxicities. Sure. So, in the uh, cesatuzumab basket study, the most common toxicities that were seen included some GI toxicities, such as nausea and diarrhea, as well as fatigue. Um, and we also did see cytopenias as well. This is related to the chemotherapy portion of the drug, obviously. Um, and neutropenia was seen as well as anemia and febrile neutropenia. Most of these toxicities were grade one or two. The most common grade through toxicities included things like nausea, um, as well as neutropenia and some febrile neutropenia as well. You know, the, the supportive management of these toxicities are what you would expect. Antiemetics, antidiarrheals for the GI toxicities, um, supportive care for the neutropenia, and of course, appropriate care for febrile neutropenia if it happens. In the Tropion Pantumor 01 study, the datapotumab toxicities um, were seen. Uh, most of these also were grade one or two, the most common being things like nausea. Um, some stomatitis was seen, uh, as well as fatigue and decreased appetite. Um, and there are also some mucosal effects such as dry eye, which is particular to this drug as well. ILD is an important toxicity that can be seen with this class of drugs, um, particularly with the Jerexican backbone, it seems. Um, and this is an important one to be aware of uh, so that people can be properly managed if any signs of ILD are seen either radiographically or symptomatically. You know, typically for these toxicities, again, best supportive measures to kind of support people through these toxicities is what we would normally do. For things like stomatitis, I found that um, liquid swish and swallows or swish and spits are quite helpful. Um, dry eye really requires good coordination with an ophthalmologist to optimize the kinds of uh, eye drops that are used to help with dry eye. And then ILD, of course, um, we need a high index of suspicion to be looking for this and to be managing this appropriately with our pulmonary colleagues, using steroids as needed and doing evaluations for other causes of um, inflammation or infection in the lungs um, as appropriate. Well, thank you. And, and Professor Peters, maybe if you could uh, discuss the emerging role of antibody drug conjugates uh, in advanced non-small cell lung cancer in, in, in some newer th uh, studies. Yeah, thanks a lot. Once you have established the efficacy, most of the time, as we discussed previously, in late lines of an antibody drug conjugate in a specific disease, the idea is how to exploit at best this potential efficacy, moving this compound 
the earliest possible, right? Because of course, as we said before, many patients will never reach a second line, a third line, a fourth line. So if you can use them in combination earlier on, might be more efficacious and might be usable and uh, reaching more patients than in late lines. So the first thing is to establish the fact that you can combine this uh, datopotamab, the second, for example, with chemo, or of course with chemo and IO. So we had the opportunity at the World Long Conference to see this global multicenter two-part dose escalation and dose expansions phase 1B trial, so tropical long O2, which is looking at these combinations. So this combination is DATO-DXD with pembrolizumab plus minus placido-based chemotherapy. And the idea, of course, was to first look at the potential for combining such strategies and also a first look at the efficacy. So as you can see, um, and you have seen at the word long, the doublet and the triplet all tends to be uh, correlated with, I would say, quite amazing response rate. In frontline, 62% for the doublet. In frontline, 50% for the triplet, all being partial response. With a disease control rate, almost of 100%, 100% for the doublet, 90% for the triplet. When you think about the second line setting, and we said it before, it's the most difficult second line setting. For the doublet, it's 24%, and for the triplet, it's 29%. But remember, in the second line, platinum was already used. So very promising response rates, knowing how we come from and where we come from, and paving the way of potential combinations frontline using uh, antibody drug conjugate, and here's a DATO DXD. Of course, uh, as I said before, the combination is uh, rising the first question of feasibility and toxicity. So usually looking at the doublet and the triplet and grid three or more or higher treatment emergent adverse events, there's 40% for the doublet and 60% for the triplet. This adverse event was described as follow, stomatitis being the most frequent, 56% for the doublet and 29% for the triplet, followed by nausea, decreased appetite, some fatigue and some anemia. Uh, deaths were very small numbers and none were considered to be drug-related. So very importantly, it's more, to my opinion, uh, a question of GI toxicity to really look at with the doublet as well as with the triplet without big differences. Uh, of course, we pay a lot of attention to ILD, uh, interstitial lung disease, which was observed in very small number of patients in these combination trials, and of course needs a higher number to have a strong evidence about the incidence of this toxicity. Therefore, we have to imagine how we can continue with this combination. So it's not only about datopotamate derixtecon, but you also have to speak about this phase two, Evoke O2 study, which is ongoing. It is an open-label, multicenter, multi-cohort global phase two, evaluated the satituzumab, govitecon plus PEMRO, with or without the chemo in advanced non-small lung cancer. So absolutely similar to what I have presented in patients with stage four non-small cell lung cancer with a good performance status, and of course, without uh, oncogene addiction. And this patient must not have received prior systemic therapy, so naive patients. Primary endpoint will be response rate, and of course, a very close look to those limiting toxicities will be made in that trial. So I would say very similar movements with the two antibody drug conjugates. I would even say similar promises and concerns. Well, thank you. Um, in summary, 
The trope-2-directed antibody drug conjugates provide a potential opportunity for improved survival outcomes um, and address therapeutic resistance for patients with non-small cell lung cancer. Um, newer studies uh, do show uh, emerging trope-2 antibody drug conjugates have manageable toxicity profile in patients with non-small cell lung cancer. Um, there is some encouraging uh, data from the tropion lung O2 study uh, looking at combining uh, the uh, trope 2 ADC datapod of deruxtecan along with uh, checkpoint inhibition, uh, either with or without platinum-based chemotherapy in non-small cell lung cancer. And there are multiple uh, combination studies uh, looking at combining trope 2 antibody drug conjugates um, with uh, other therapies in the setting of advanced non-small cell lung cancer. Well, thank you very much for your attention during this activity. Um, hopefully you have learned uh, about uh, the emerging role of trope 2 antibody drug conjugates in the management of patients with non-small cell lung cancer. This has been an activity published by Pure Voice.